0: Start by um, <clears throat> just taking this moment to do—I suppose you could call it a bit of advertising—but it's really more of a testimony that after years of working, we are just about there. So I'm holding the proof in my hand. This week I'm going to press print on the book that we've been working on, so, that I've been working on for so long. Uh, it's called "Embracing the Heart of Spiritual Township and it's very much articulates my journey with Pastor Andreas over all these years as being a spiritual son to him, uh, as well as the principles I've learned along the way, the lessons and the heart attitudes that I've learned along the way. And holding it in my hand for the first time, I have to confess, was quite an emotional moment. Um, It all sort of finally has come together, and you hold it and you go, wow, it's here, it's done. And it's really made me think back, and so think back on my journey afresh, Appreciate and be grateful afresh for the journey that God has led me on the past 23 years. And that's where I'm going to start today with my sharing. It's I'm not going to jump straight into the word. I'm actually going to share with you parts of my story because it, it does things. When we share our testimony, we realize that every one of us has a unique and a very special story. And our story holds within it. Grace, because when we see and when we communicate the wonderful things that God has done for us in our lives, despite all our own shortcomings and the mistakes we can make along the way, we communicate to people that we're normal, that the things we're going through and the things they're going through are very similar. And so let me start my journey and, and basically share that about 23 years ago, it was about this time of the year, 23 years ago, that I set foot in Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship for the first time. Now, just to bring you into the state of my my headspace in that in that time and season of my life, I thought I knew a, a few things about Christianity. Uh, you know, how to do Christian, what Christianity was all about. You know, when I was in high school, I functioned as a youth leader in my local church, uh, and that went well. I mean, it was. I still have relationship with some of the people I used to be their youth leader too, and to see them grow and they're still nurturing in the Lord means. I didn't completely wreck them. So that's that's a good start. Um, I also served as a Sunday school facilitator while I was in high school. I eventually became chairperson of the Christian Society in high school. I was part of the worship team. I played the drums in the worship team. Uh, and at that time, when I first came to Alpha and Amiga, I'd also started again playing guitar in a worship team. And while you could say I, I knew all of these things, I suppose you could say maybe I did know some things about Christianity. But the truth is that the moment i walked through those doors i was a broken jaded man filled with shame because although i knew things and i could speak christianese and knew how to behave around christians the truth is i was living a double life i had my sunday life and my life on a friday night or when i needed to behave and speak in a certain way i could articulate the right words but in other settings i could articulate a whole different set of words just as easily and just as naturally. And that was the state of my life in that in that time and season. In fact, truth be told, a couple of years earlier on from that moment, so after having left high school, there came a point in my life where I wanted certain things and I wanted a lifestyle that I knew wasn't really, would not please God. And I remember a scripture in Revelations chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, which says, I know your works that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, so then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And the truth is, in my heart, I knew that I wasn't hot. I wasn't passionate about the things of God. Clearly, there were other things in my life that I was more passionate about, that uh, I was far more interested in. And at least I guess, suppose I was honest enough with myself to acknowledge that I didn't want to be hot either. And so I knew lukewarm wasn't an option, so I went cold. I walked away from it all. I walked away from church. I walked away from quiet times. I walked away from all these things because I knew my life, my behavior, my attitudes, my desires, my passions were, were carnal. They were sinful. They would not please God, that God would not accept them. And as a result, I suppose in some ways I also believed that because of it God wouldn't accept me. The truth is, I wanted to be a good man. I wanted to be somebody who I could respect, never mind anybody else, just somebody that even within myself I could respect, that I could actually live by the values I said I valued, that I could that that what I intended to do and what I actually did were congruent. You could respect a man like that even if he's a reprobate he stands by who he is but i was double minded and i didn't know how to be a man that i respected everything that i i tried to do to make myself feel more accomplished or more worldly wise the drinking smoking you know partying it only exacerbated my shame instead of becoming more of a man in my own eyes i just became more jaded and more filled with shame and so this is the state of my heart. This was the state of my life when I entered the building of Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship for the first time. And I still remember the one thing that stands out to me so vividly is the drums on the day, because I used to play the drums in my old church and it was quite a conservative church. I was always in trouble for playing too loudly. They didn't want any frills. They weren't mad about the cymbals. Just keep a basic beat and do it quietly, which is very hard to do on the drums, especially when you're 18, 17, 16 years old. And I remember I came into church that first Sunday and we played a song. They played a song that was called um, There's a Wind a Blowing. And Stephen played a beat on the drums. He was using every single drum all at once, all the symbols. And I was like, whoa, in church, what kind of place is this? And then they were singing some weird words like, oh, sweet wind, come blow over me. And you're coming into this for the first time and you're thinking, Ooh, what, what we're singing to the wind. Wow, what kind of place is this? I was green. I had no idea. I didn't have any understanding. It was just very, it was a culture shock for me. Uh, But you see, the truth is that the reason I came through those doors, as much as it was strange for me, as much as uh, it was the beginning of something new that I didn't even realize was the beginning of something new, there was a reason I came through the doors of the church on that day. And that reason was a very simple reason. The reason I walked through the doors August of the year 2000 is because somebody invited me and they brought me along. They didn't just send me. They didn't give me the address and said, hey, go check out this place. They simply invited me along to that which they were invested in. They were a member of the church. Let's be honest. I wasn't going there because I was interested in what the preacher was going to say. I wasn't going for the worship. It was a girl who invited me, and that's all I was interested in. But nonetheless, God used that, and she was going to church. She said, well, this is the church I go to. You know, Would you come with me? And so I did. And that was good. And what it did was that brought me into an experience that was very new for me. It was strange. But yet, it it also that moment is probably not the moment where things began to change in my life. I kept going to that church for a while because I kept developing the relationship with that person that I that brought me. But it was. A few months later when things began to change you see i tend to turn like an oil tanker i don't change on a dime some people can change quickly i'm like a tanker that i turn very slowly it takes a long time for me to change to really get my head and my heart around some things but when i came to this church i thought i knew a few things about christianity i knew my heart wasn't in the right place but i knew how to put on a bright face and i knew how to ask the right questions and put out the right image and you know say the right things that was of course until i was met by and confronted by the force of nature which many of you might know colloquially as andreas kiriakou and uh, as he began taking an interest in my life i was confronted by questions many many questions And not just weather and news and sports. I mean, personal questions, right off the bat, kind of. So, what do you earn? Excuse me? (laughs) That's a little personal, don't you think? What do you mean? What do I? Mind your own business was what most people would say. You know, you know, how do you support yourself? What do you do with your money? Uh, You know, all kinds of different questions that just came at me again and again and again. And this man took an interest in me and it was as a result of somebody taking an interest in me that my heart began to open up and that slowly God began to draw me back in this prodigal who who had run away he began to draw me back in and he did it through a man who took an interest in me and if I if I want to leave and deposit a message in your heart today I want you to realize the power that God can wield through you and through your life as you give yourself to taking an interest in those around you. Listen to what Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 says. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. You see, we all know and understand that God loves us unconditionally. Sometimes we, in our own guilt and shame, we find that hard to believe. Can God really love me after what I've done? Can God really love me given the way I still feel and the things I'm still dealing with and the sin I'm grappling with? Can God still love me unconditionally despite there being incongruencies between what I say I value and what my actions or the fruit of my actions demonstrate? You see, despite my walking away from God, despite my decision to say, well, I'm not going to be hot towards you, so I might as well be cold. Despite that, despite the shame that I was dealing with, God's unconditional, unyielding love didn't give up on me. And with loving kindness, he drew me back in and he used a man to do that. Now, I knew it was unmerited. I know that I didn't earn that love or any kind of favor. but This man, for some reason, seemed to believe in me when I no longer believed in myself. He took an interest in me, and he was willing to take a risk on me, and he was willing to trust me when I wasn't even sure that God trusted me. And he was willing to get his hands dirty in getting down into cleaning my life out. He was willing to get his hands dirty with all my mess. And he prayed for me, and he heard from God for me and would speak words of encouragement to me. He began to expect more of me than perhaps I even expected of myself. And he kept pointing me again and again and again back to the one whose loving kindness it was that was drawing me in. When we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus said something unique, marvelous to his disciples. His disciples once said to him, show us the father. What is the father like? And Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't talking about physical appearance. He was talking about a heart that was being communicated. The Father was working in and through Jesus into the lives of his disciples. Now, none of us are Jesus to this world, and Pastor Andreas isn't Jesus to me. But God was working in and through this man into my life the same way that God worked in and through Jesus, into the lives of the disciples, the same way that God worked in and through the Apostle Paul into the lives of those he ministered to. It's God who does the work. No man can save. No man can forgive. No man can redeem. That is the Lord's business. But God has chosen to work through you and I. God has chosen to work through people. And it doesn't you don't have to carry some title. You don't have to be a pastor or an evangelist or a pastor or a prophet or an apostle. You don't have to carry some kind of spiritual title. All that you and I need to do is be saved. What I can say, my testimony, my story, what this is all about is the fact that I would not be who I am today if it were not for the love and the affection and the discipline that I received through a relationship of somebody Who loved me enough to take an interest in me. To go out on a limb and invest spiritually into my life. But you can even take that back a little further and say, I would never even have been in this relationship if somebody hadn't brought me to church. They had a role to play. They were pivotal in repositioning me, whether they realized it or not. Clearly, I didn't realize it at the time. let me illustrate for you through a story how simple this principle is um i'd heard this story before and so i went to go and look this up on the internet i don't download my sermons from the internet by the way but this part i did i'll say it up front this i got off the internet but it's a beautiful story and i want to read this to you have any of you ever heard of somebody called edward kimball edward kimball not some famous evangelist maybe that you've heard of well let me tell you the story of edward kimball kimball Was a sunday school teacher who not only prayed for the hyper boys in his class but also sought to win each one of them to the lord personally he decided he would be intentional with every single last one of them surely he thought about throwing in the towel if you've ever taught the bible to young boys you know that the experience can often be like herding cats One young man in particular didn't seem to understand what the gospel was about. So Kimball went to the shoe store where he worked and where he stocked the shelves and confronted him in the stockroom with the importance of of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That young man was Dwight L. Moody. Now maybe that name rings a few bells. In the stockroom that Saturday, he believed the gospel and received Jesus Christ as his personal savior. In his lifetime, Moody touched two continents for God, with thousands professing Christ through his ministry. But the story doesn't end there. Actually, it's where it begins. Under Moody, another man's heart was touched for God, Wilbur Chapman. Chapman became the evangelist who preached to thousands. One day, a professional ball player, baseball player had a day off and attended one of Chapman's meetings. And thus billy sunday was converted again maybe a name that some of you especially stateside would know sunday quit baseball and became part of chapman's team then chapman accepted the pastorate of a large church and billy sunday began his own evangelistic crusades another young man was converted whose name was mordecai ham he was a scholarly dignified gentleman Who's, who wasn't above renting a hearse and parading it through the streets, advertising his meetings. Can you imagine doing that? Renting a hearse and say, death comes unexpectedly. Come to the meeting. My goodness. When Ham came to Charlotte, North Carolina, a skinny-haired, lanky young man, then in high school, vowed he would not go and hear him preach. But Billy Frank, as he was called by his family, did eventually go. You see, Ham announced that he knew for a fact that, the house, that a house of ill repute was located across the street from the local high school and that the male students were skipping lunch to visit the house across the street. And when students decided to go and interrupt the meetings of Mordecai Ham, Billy Frank decided that he wanted to see what would happen, and so he went to go and attend. So he didn't even go there for uh, to hear the gospel or anything. He just wanted to go and see what was going to happen. That night, Billy Frank went and was intrigued by what he heard. Returning another night, he responded to the invitation and was converted. Billy Frank eventually became known as Billy Graham, the evangelist who preached to more people than any other person who ever lived, including the Apostle Paul. You could continue following this trail and see where Billy Graham and all all of us started with the ministry of Jesus. Think about how far-reaching Christ's message has gone. This fascinating chain of events was triggered by a Sunday school teacher's concern for his boys. He took a personal interest. If you are like most people, you've heard or you uh, you've served in some capacity and wondered at times if you were making a real difference or not. Maybe you've thought about quitting because you didn't know you were making a difference. Next time you are tempted to give up, please remember Edward Kimball whose persistence and faithfulness was tremendously honored by the Lord. The story would have looked very differently if Edward Kimball did not take his Saturday to seek out young Dwight Moody. And he closes with this with this uh, little phrase. It says, you can count the apples on a tree, but only God knows how many apples are in a single seed. Just laying, reaching out to somebody, sowing a seed of loving kindness, That demonstrates the love and favor of God. Sometimes that seed comes in the form of correction or good advice or encouragement. But you never know the harvest that seed may bring. You may be wondering who witnessed to Edward Kimball. We don't know. I'm Not sure it matters really. But we see this principle even in scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 6 to 9. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says to them. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it is God who made it grow. It's not important how, sorry, who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded each for their own work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's fields. Uh, you are God's field. You are God's building. You see, folks, maybe we need to take some pressure off ourselves and and remember that it's not our job to get people saved. It's not your job. Only Jesus can save people. You or I can't save them. Even if we were to hang on a cross, we wouldn't be able to save them. But you and I do have both the privilege and the responsibility of sowing seeds of his love and sincere care into the lives of others. And we need to see this as, as a twofold thing. It is a privilege. Why is it a privilege? Because we ourselves have tasted of it. We have experienced the loving kindness of God. And so because of that, we have a point of reference. We have received something that we are able to share. And number two, we also need to see it as as our responsibility. We get to introduce people to God and show them what he is like. And sometimes we will sow a seed. Sometimes we'll water the seed someone else has sown. Sometimes we will reap a harvest. Sometimes we'll just bring them along into what it is that we are doing so that they can see for themselves, just like Paula has done with Lisa today. Who knows the difference that might make? Who knows? I'm sure my friend had no idea <laughs> things would end up like this when she brought me along to church all those years ago. Who would have thought? Let me read to you again the words of Jesus himself. He said it this way, John 4, 35 to 38. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought into eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants. Another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. Folks sometimes our thinking concerning evangelism or sharing the gospel seems like a daunting task. Sometimes we think oh I don't know enough. I need to you know I need to have all these answers. I need to have all things figured out. I want to say to you that people are unlikely to take any interest in Jesus until we take a sincere interest in them. Before I tell somebody something, let me show them what sincere love looks like. And I want to tell you, folks, today it is easier than ever before than to take an interest in somebody. We're on the other side of the world, and yet we are meeting together. You have a phone. At any minute, you can pick this up and phone somebody. You can send them a message of encouragement. You can pop them an email. You can phone them. You can do a video chat. Hi, I had you on my mind. Oh, I was praying for you. I was thinking about you. How are you doing? How's your family? I heard you weren't well. Can we bring you some food? Can we? You know what? (laughs) You know, it's, it's so easy today. Even in South Africa, we found out some friends were not well. They lived in another city. So we phoned the local supermarket and said, please deliver. It's so easy to show love and kindness these days. We actually have no excuse. Now, let me ask you a simple question. We want to introduce people to Jesus. In relation to you right now, where you are, where you are sitting, where is Jesus? Can you point to him? Where is he? Those who are cameras are on. Michael, point to Jesus. Where is he? Yes. He's in your heart. He's in your heart, right? Michael's like, who got that right. He's not there. He's not there. He's here. He's in my heart. Now, Ephesians 3, 17 says this. Christ, when we believe, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Jesus abides in our hearts. So if you want to draw people to Jesus, where do you have to draw them to? Your heart. Because that's where Jesus is. Folks, we are not going to win the lost in an impersonal way. The reason there was transformation in my life is because somebody was willing to draw me into his heart. And in his heart, I found that which he carried. The Lord Jesus. I found the love of God, the loving kindness of God. Through that reaching out, through that come that willingness to be vulnerable and to invite me in, Jeremiah 31 verse 3 was fulfilled. Yes, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with love, I have drawn you in. Folks, this is how we bring people to Jesus. We open our hearts to them. We invite them into our lives. We take a sincere interest and care for them. Now, let me give you some synonyms for loving kindness. What does loving kindness look like? What does it mean? Well, the most common and basic synonyms that came up for me were two words. Number one, tenderness and affection. Tenderness, gentleness, understanding. That's what tenderness means. And affection. Folks, affection is a practical word. The Bible says, let us greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, maybe that's going a little too far, especially right at the beginning. Okay, just take it easy, slowly. We're not going to go straight into that. But I will say to you that affection is affectionate. It is expressed. I come out of a a very affectionate family. There's not a conversation I have with my sister or my father or my mother that doesn't end with love you my last words to my dad see you dad love you well that's and i want to say to you people say oh you say it so much it doesn't mean anything anymore hogwash absolute hogwash those little words those constant affirmations those constant expressions of affection Continue to close the gap that the world and our busyness and the enemy tries to bring between us and it constantly reaches out into the heart of the other person and affirms them. I know you. I see you. You matter. You are valuable and I love you. That's what it says every single time. Now, when we couple this practical understanding. Of the realization that God is that Jesus lives within us and That as we bring people close to our hearts, we give them an opportunity to meet the Jesus that we carry. When we couple that realization with the other truth, another realization that we are Holy Spirit filled and empowered people, we begin to make a way even for the gifts of the Spirit to come and flow in us and through us and operate to further demonstrate the loving kindness of God in the lives of other people. And this was really the difference between just simply drawing me in and we're drawing me in turned into discipleship you see the drawing in is the initial part but flowing out from that was the gift the person of the Holy Spirit at work in this relationship between Pastor Andreas and I where he would begin to speak to me through Pastor Andreas and he would affirm and he would correct and he would guide and he would counsel and he would take no nonsense. And that's when discipleship began. But it took an open heart. It took a vested interest to bring me to the place where I would allow that in my life. You don't just allow anybody to speak into your life and just to correct you. That comes with a measure of trust. And that trust comes when you realize that this person, despite their own weaknesses, despite the fact that they themselves make mistakes sometimes, they care for you sincerely and deeply. And here we see significant investment. You know, Philippians 2:17 says this. Yes, if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. I know that this has been one of my father-in-law's favorite verses because I've seen this demonstrated in his life. I am Stephen, Michael, Michael, Johann, Antoinette Nikki, so many of us so many of us here on the screen are where we are yes because of the lord jesus yes because of god absolutely but also because someone took a vested interest in us and was willing to walk with us and share and pour out his life into us now folks when this comes to you and to me and the way we often think about ourselves and the things we know we, we undermine them. We think they're small. We may think that they're insin- insignificant. Folks, you, we cannot pour out that which we are trying to hold on to. And as long as we're trying to hold on to our little faith and the little things that we know, there's no pouring out. There's no reaching out. We cannot pour out. We cannot be like Paul. But I want to say this to you, that there is no limit to what Christ can do through a yielded life. And that is what brings us back again and again and again to the foot of the cross, to that place where we give up our self-determination. And we say, Lord God, you are God. I am not God. And if I want you to be Lord, that means I need to let you be Lord. And that means I need to be willing to be vulnerable and open my heart, not just to you, but also to those around me. I want to tell you, I've learned that investing into the lives of others is one of the best ways to crucify our flesh. Because we don't have time to feel sorry for ourselves when we are focusing on ministering to the needs of others. We don't have time to feel sorry for ourselves. We're too busy ministering to the needs of others. But at the same time, as we do so, God somehow sees to it that our needs are met. He cares for us and He loves us. So, The essence of my message today is really to say this to you. I was so blessed with that that very simple analogy of Jesus being in my heart and realizing that if I was going to draw people to where Jesus is in my experience, that I was going to have to draw them to my heart. And I was going to have to cross some bridges and seek to build relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Maybe they're backslidden. Maybe they have walked away. Maybe they've been hurt by religion. But if I am willing to show them love sincerely without any strings attached, unconditional love and allow the loving kindness of God to begin flowing into their lives through me. Unmerited favor, the grace of God. Then what I begin to do is to draw them into a place where they can meet the nature and the love of Jesus. As I have experienced it and as I walk in it day by day. His forgiveness, his loving kindness and his mercy. That means that all of us have the opportunity to show the world around us what Jesus is like. None of us are going to do it perfectly. None of us. I understand that. But it's amazing how much we can tolerate from those we know truly love us. This is why kids and dogs are so incredibly gracious. (laughs) <laughs> they tolerate a lot from their parents or their owners because they're cared for by them sometimes that's unfortunately not the case but as i round out today i want to ask you this question as you think about your life your loved ones your family members your friends and maybe more specifically those who do not know the lord is their savior you know they don't know god is their savior you know that Uh, conversations with them about Jesus would be awkward or difficult here's my question if you love them know that Christ loves them way more than you do but could it just be that you opening your heart to them could open and set off a chain of events a set of dominoes beginning to fall that could lead them into a relationship with Jesus through being drawn in by his loving kindness expressed through you you've got nothing to lose Loving kindness is the kind of thing that there's no limit to the more we give somehow the more we experience it from god and from those around us but it's something that's rare in our world today as each one is seeking for his own each one's looking out for number one themselves so when there's somebody else that comes along and suddenly shows something different people sit up and take notice So I want to say to you today, who are those? Write them down, maybe even now. Take a note. Think of somebody in your immediate circumstance, who you care about. (laughs) Maybe if you're honest, you don't care that much about them, but you feel you should. Maybe That's okay. That's a good place to start. But how is it that you can show some loving kindness to somebody in a practical way? How is it that you can show some affection to somebody? You know? Maybe it's time to tell somebody that you love them. You've walked with them for a while, and just say, "Hey, I want you to know something. I really care about you, and I'm so grateful for our relationship. Thank you for being a friend to me. I love you." You know, for us guys, that's especially difficult. Yeah, guys, we don't share. We're tough. We don't share emotion. We don't tell another guy you love him. Whoa, you're gonna give the wrong idea. Now, you start off doing it as a joke. You say goodbye to your mate. Bye. Love you, bud. They'll probably go, love you too, but you've broken the ice. You're in there. You've got a foot in the door. That's a start. It's okay. It may seem simple, may seem little, may seem facetious even, but I want to say to you, expressing emotion, expressing sincere care begins to open up people to you. And when, they, when their hearts begin to open to you, they begin to open without realizing it to him who is within you. And so I want to leave you with that today. Perhaps the place you need to start is in the place of prayer, and start talking to God about that person. Be deliberate about it. I would so love, I would, I would truly love, that in leaving this message tonight, each one of you would say, "Okay, that's the name and that's the person," and I'm going to write it down. And maybe you've got to stick it on your mirror above your your bathroom, or stick it on your fridge, or write it in your diary, or put it, and pray for that person regularly. And and maybe give them a phone call just to say hi and begin the journey and the exercise of letting some loving kindness flow out from you so that that person can be drawn into a relationship with Jesus through your influence. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.